Hi there, I'm Dinsdale Kringle, and welcome to my classic Christmas archives. Tonight we have a pair of holiday episodes featuring the comedian who was his own straight man, or is it the straight man who was his own comedian? Either way, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy were the comedy superstar duo who only needed a single train ticket plus a luggage tag. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know the pair's secret. Bergen was a ventriloquist, and McCarthy is wooden alter ego. Much has been made about the absurdity of a ventriloquist becoming a radio star, but it wasn't Bergen's voice-throwing skills that made him popular, it was the characters he created and the jokes he and his team wrote. Listening on the radio, free from the limitations of your typical ventriloquist act, Charlie and the other vent characters come to life. They're far more than mechanical dolls with an arm in their back. They're not puppets, they're people. In our first episode tonight, from 1948, Edgar, Charlie, and Mortimer Snurd probably Bergen's second most popular dummy, welcome operatic star Mario Lanza. Then, in our second episode, from 1955, Edgar welcomes a very special nine-year-old actress, his own daughter Candace, who would go on to have a modest film career before starring in the hit sitcom Murphy Brown. But first, from December 1948, here's the Charlie McCarthy Show, with special guest Mario Lanza. The makers of Instant Chase and Sanborn Coffee present the Charlie McCarthy Show. This is Ken Carpenter, ladies and gentlemen, greeting you from Hollywood, California. On behalf of Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Stern, Don Amici, and Marsha Hunt of the Bickersons by Phil Rapp, Ray Noble and his orchestra, and Pat Patrick as Ursula Twing. All your ideas about coffee will change instantly. It's all beautifully easy to get perfect coffee every time with a new Chase and Sanborn instant coffee product. An absent-minded professor can make coffee to taste as if a chef had made it. And he can do it with one eye on the clock. Just put a little instant Chase and Sanborn in the cup, add hot water, and stir. There's your instant Chase and Sanborn success. Rich, full-bodied, heartwarming. And then with instant Chase and Sanborn, there's no cleanup bother, no pot to wash, no grounds to get rid of. It's only about a penny a cup. Get a jar or two tomorrow. And here are Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Hello, Bertie. Yes, well, Charlie, Christmas will soon be here, and already there's a feeling of good fellowship in the air. Yes, yes, there is. Uh-huh. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yes, the spirit of giving and receiving. Bergen, are you giving? Oh, yes, indeed, I am. Well, I'm receiving. You are. <laughs> How about a raise? Oh, no. A raise? Yeah. I would like a green Christmas. A green, yes. Sort of a currency green. I see. <laughs> but, Charlie, do you know, Charlie, so often having more money means misery. It does, huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, just put me down for a slice of more misery, will you? <laughs> I tell you, Bergen, it's come to a point where it's either more dough or else. Or else? Yes, or else. Or else what? Or else you can hang a vacant sign on your knee. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Do you mean that you're quitting? Yes, I'm on strike. On strike? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, going on strike so close to Christmas, huh? that seems very foolish. Well, I don't know. You remind me of the time that Santa Claus's reindeer went on strike. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. I've been spared so far. Well. <laughs> Up till now. Yeah, yeah. It's the story of a disgruntled reindeer 
Now, there's a long version and there's a short version. Which one would you like? Uh, the silent version. <laughs> I won't get that one. No, no. I'll tell you the short one. It was the night before Christmas, and Santa Claus loaded his sled with toys and was ready to hitch up the reindeer. But the reindeer refused to go. So they called a strike meeting, and the reindeer presented their demands to Santa Claus. Oh, it was an awful time. Come, come, come. Silence, silence. Now, now, Santa Claus can't hear a thing you say if you reindeer talk all the time and all at once. <laughs> He's Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, tell me, tell me now, what are your complaints, reindeer? Yes, Blitzen, you have your hoof up. What is it? Well, I think we reindeer should have one night off a year. That's right. Yeah, I think so. All right, all right. Uh, what night? Christmas Eve. Now, wait a minute. And another thing. When we're going downhill, why can't we reindeer ride in a sled with you? Yeah, and speaking of sleds, we demand fog lights on the sleigh. And for Los Angeles, smog lights. (laughs) And another thing, Santa. What is it, Dasher? We demand fighter escort while going over to Russian (laughs) Cuspidors. Now, 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 my little reindeer, you become mighty unreasonable with your old Santa. Remember, you can all be replaced by an airplane. Ho, ho, ho. Yes, and you can be replaced by an actor. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Remember, Santa, we're eight reindeer strong and highly disorganized. I say, old boy, I'd like to make a motion. Well, what kind of a motion, Blitzen? Oh, any kind. I'm just tired of sitting here motionless. Santa, I demand that you get rid of those infernal sleigh bells. They keep ringing in my ears all the time, and it's horrible. Bells, bells, bells are driving me mad, you hear? Mad, mad! What on earth is the matter with you, Prancer? I've been taking dramatic lessons. (laughs) Well, I, I don't see why you reindeer take this attitude. Haven't I always been fair? I try to be big. Well, that's the trouble. You're too big. You're too heavy to lug around in the sleigh. Yeah, you weren't that fat when we started working for you. <laughs> well, me, maybe I have gained a little in the interim. You gained a lot in the outer rim, too. <laughs> but really, Reindeer, I'm, I'm trying to watch my stomach. Well, that shouldn't be hard. <laughs> Wherever you look, there it is. <laughs> a strike vote. All those not in favor of working like horses say nay. <laughs> well, reindeer, if your minds are made up, I guess old Santa Claus will have to try and get along without you. I, I know. I can pick up a used hot rod. Well, I can no, do that. No, yes. Wait a minute, Santa. Maybe we want to talk this over a little yeah, more. What do you say, fellas? Down and keep it quiet. Uh, friends, uh, I'm Russell Twing, and I'm looking for Mr. Uh, S. Claus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, he's uh, a well-known uh, philanthropist. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm Santa Claus, and what brings you here? Well, do you mind if I step inside? Oh, surely, come here. Yes, in. it's so cold, and I- I'm just so aggravated. I- I'm fit to be tied, mm. and I don't mean you'll tied either. Mm. <laughs> Did you have a cold trip coming up here? Cold? Oh, yes. heavens to Elizabeth. I was up to my, my gizzard in Blizzard, mm. and I came uh, 50 miles by dog sled, too. 
And the last ten by just plain dogs, and oh, they're just killing me something awful. <laughs> I tell you, friends, I, I walked and I walked until I'm just one big pain. Well, that's the impression you give me. <laughs> Very smart. One more a little remark out of you, uh, young reindeer, and I'll twist your little antlers. Uh, well, what brings you here, Mr. Twain? Well, I'm here. You are? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, uh, and I want to take pictures of all you reindeer for our uh, ladies' magazine called uh, House, uh, Good House Broken. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Goody, at last we're getting publicity. Yeah. Sure. We're going to have our pictures taken, aren't we? Be sure and photograph my best side, won't you? Oh, don't you want your face in the picture? Now, let's see. (laughs) There's many people around here. I can't play. Uh, What kind of a film uh, should I use on you? Uh, Let's see. I think you have a panchromatic, Pam. Yeah, that's good. Well, is your film very sensitive? No, but I am. And be careful what you say to me, too. Well, tell me, what kind of shutter do you use? Well, I don't use the shutter at all. You see, I use a Venetian blind. Oh, that's Because nice. in the morning, the sun comes by. Oh, you mean my camera? Oh, come on. Oh. Come on. Now, take our pictures, You do. see, Santa, somebody thinks we're important. Look at all the publicity they're going to give us. Yeah, and without any help from you, Santa. Now, now, just a moment, Dasher. Uh, it was Santa Claus who asked me to come up here and take your pictures. Did you, Santa, really? Well, why not? <laughs> I got to think of my partners, don't I? Good old Santa. Well, fellas, it looks like Santa rides again. Hey! Now, 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 just a moment, uh, uh, Santa Claus. Would you mind dropping off a gift uh, to Jane Russell? Jane Russell? Well, uh, gladly. Uh, what do you want me to bring her? Me. Goodbye, mm-hmm. I. Goodbye, Goodbye.
<laughs> well, well, hello, Mortimer. Oh, do? Yeah. Season's greetings. Oh, oh, oh thanks, thanks. A oh, lo lot of seasoning to you, too. Yeah. You seem to be in good spirits. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I guess you heard about me, haven't you? No. Why, no, what, ha what happened? I'm, uh, I'm getting married. Oh, yeah. Mortimer getting married? No. Yeah, yeah. My, 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 my. Well, this is interesting. Yeah. Who, who are you marrying? No, oh, um, you know, one of them female girls. Uh, <laughs> of the opposite sex? Of the opposite sex. Uh, I, I just can't believe it, Mortimer. Yeah, it's true. Mortimer getting married? No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I reckon we all got to go sometime. <laughs> what does this girlfriend of yours, what does she look like? Oh, she's uh, kind of rounded. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sort of bulgy. <laughs> uh, sort of girl-shaped. Girl-shaped. <laughs> well, uh, how did you meet her, uh, Mortimer? Well, it was at a party, and I was just standing there under a chandelier... When all of a sudden the girl came over and <laughs> flung her arms around me. She threw her arms around you. Well, I see. I guess she had a crunch on me. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> well, now, you know that's not so impossible. I think you have a certain rustic charm. I must have something. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she likes the way you wear your clothes. Yeah, might be. I, I was wearing my new uh, pushover sweater. <laughs> You, uh, you sort of liked her arms around you? No, boy. When I left a whiff of that bay rum she was a-wearing, I was a goner. Yeah, I see. You whiffed a whiff. Yeah, I see. Uh, you mean she had perfume? <laughs> and you know what she did? What did she do? She kissed me. No, no. <laughs> well... And what did you do after she kissed you? I got down off the chandelier. I... <laughs> I've been so excited since the time I got my tongue froze to the pump handle. <laughs> so that's how the romance started. Yeah. When do you when do you when did you propose to her? I I uh, hmm? I say when did you propose to her? Well I I ain't proposed to her. You haven't? No. Well, aren't you engaged? Well, well, no. You're not? No. Well, then why are you considering marrying her? Well, she kissed me, didn't she? <laughs> yes, I know. Well? 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 <laughs> well, what? Mr. Bergen, us nerds ain't cads. Oh, <laughs> doesn't mean anything. Let me explain what happened. You were standing under the chandelier and there was mistletoe tied to it. The girl had a perfect right to come up and kiss you. She did? Well, of course. You probably weren't the first boy she kissed and you most likely won't be the last. Hmm. I guess you're right. <laughs> if she'll kiss me, she'll kiss anybody. <laughs> 
wonderful what the holiday season does to people, isn't it, Edgar? Well, most people can. Yes, I was just wondering how the Bickersons are going to enjoy their Christmas. Well, judging from the way they spent it last year, I imagine they'll be rather happy. What do you mean? Well, curiously enough, I ran into Bickerson shopping around for a present the other day, and he told me all about it. This should be interesting. It was last Christmas Eve. Blanche Bickerson was busy wrapping presents in the bedroom, while her husband, John, exhausted from the pre-holiday activity, put the finishing touches to the tree standing proudly in the kitchen, the only other room in the Bickerson's small apartment. John! John! Will you bring the scissors, please? John! What's he doing in there? Sleep on a ladder. <laughs> I better get him off of there. John, John. What's the matter, Blanche? What happened? Oh, you poor dear. Did you hurt yourself? No, no, no. I'm, I'm all right. I, I want to go to bed. Oh, John, you never even touched your dinner. Not a morsel of it. I don't like the looks of it, Blanche. Well, do you want me to warm it up for you? No. Just tell me what's on that big plate. Are you trying to be funny, John? I'm not trying to be funny, Blanche. What is it? You know very well I can only cook two things, liver and rice pudding. Well, which one is that? <laughs> How can you be so picky on Christmas Eve, John? Blanche, I just asked you a civil question, that's all. I didn't think it was liver because your liver always looks like rubber heels. <laughs> but that stuff looks more like scrambled eggs, so I thought it might be rice pudding. <laughs> Why don't you taste it and find out? I'm not hungry. Well, that's why you're always tired, John. You don't eat enough. I eat plenty. What did you have for lunch today? Well, you ought to know. You packed it for me. And listen, Blanche, I'm getting sick of carrying my lunch to the office in paper sacks. Why can't I go to a restaurant John, like John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in a brown paper bag on the side of the sink. Lunch? That's the garbage. <laughs> Aren't you going to finish the tree? I can do it in the morning. Well, don't be so crabby, John. We're not going to fight on Christmas Eve, no matter what happens. And remember, you promised. Okay. I'm not even going to get mad because you didn't send me a Christmas card. I did send you a Christmas card. It isn't necessary to make excuses or alibis, John. I'm going to forget it entirely. I don't have to make excuses. I did send you a Christmas card. I mailed it five days ago. Well... I hope you don't forget to send me one next year, either. Oh, what's the use? All right, so I didn't send you a card. That's all. Why didn't you admit it before? There was nothing to admit. I just said I didn't send it to end the argument, but I really sent it. What did it say on it? It said, Merry Christmas to my love. That could my... be anybody. Well, let me finish. It said, Merry Christmas to my love, my wife, my life, my turtle dove. Life with you is great, it seems. I love you more than pork and beans. <laughs> to injury, John. Well, how do I know what it said? I can't remember what... What's that laying on top of the newspaper? There it is! There's my card! So it is. See? You didn't need to get excited after all. <laughs> Thank you, darling. It's a lovely card. Wear it in good health. <laughs> well, let's open the presents and then go to sleep. Oh, all right. Gee, we haven't got very many this year, have we? Who's this from? Oh, that's from Leo Gooseby. It's amazing how you went to the one shaped like a bottle. Oh, is that what it is? Hope it's good stuff. 
Uh, well, it's not bad at all. John, that's shampoo. Shampoo? Ah, <laughs> uh, that chisel, two-bit Leo, and to think I threw out 39 cents on a tie for him. <laughs> what have we got there? It's another present for you, from your boss. No kidding. Let me have that. Gee, it's a big one, isn't it? What is it, John? A five-gallon can of lighter fluid. <laughs> That's fine. That's just what I need. Never heard of such presents. Here's one from Edith Gordon. I bet that's a dilly. Oh, Edith always sends something nice. Not expensive, but it usually comes in handy. Well, look at that. What is it? It's a polo score pad. Isn't that nice? <laughs> That'll sure come in handy, won't it? Honest, Blanche, you've got the weirdest collection of friends. Is there anything else? Just our presents to each other. Oh, why don't you look at what I got you first? Then you can show me what you got for me. Close your eyes. I'll unveil it. Well, all right. I hope you didn't spend too much, dear. I don't really want anything. Open your eyes. Blanche! Oh, Blanche, darling, it's beautiful. It's a dream. A portable bar with a brass rail. <laughs> Kisses in order, John? A million kisses. Well, stop kissing the bar. I meant a kiss for me. I'm sorry, darling. It's just too good to be true. Oh, you're wonderful. Blanchett, uh, that must have cost a fortune. John, don't get angry, but I sold my fur coat. You sold your fur coat? I wanted you to have the bar, and I didn't have the money. You sold your coat. That beautiful fur coat that you bought yourself for my birthday. <laughs> that gorgeous bald mink. I got $70 for it. The bar cost 85 Oh, Blanche, you never should have sold that bald mink. It doesn't matter. I have a cloth coat and I never get cold. But you don't understand. Open the present I got for you. I can't wait, John. Oh, a muff. A fur muff. Genuine pluck skunk. <laughs> I had it made especially to match that coat. It can hold two full quarts. And you sold the coat. Well, what's the difference, darling? Someday you'll make a lot of money, and then you'll be able to have a coat made to match the muff. I'm very happy, John. I know, but... Uh... Uh, and you still have that gorgeous bar. It's just it. What's the matter? I sold all my bourbon to pay for the muff. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? What a break for both of us. I think it's wonderful, John. What do you mean, Blanche? I've never been so happy in my life. We both made a sacrifice, and that's worth more than all the gold and precious jewels in the world. Just to know that you gave up a prized possession is proof enough that you love me. I've always loved you, Blanche. I may holler and rant and act like a first-class crumb sometimes, but you never doubted that I loved you, did you? No, John. It's been seven years, honey. Most of it uphill. I haven't showered you with diamonds or bought any yachts, but I try not to deny you anything. I suppose you have your little faults. What woman hasn't? Or what man either, for that matter? We're both pretty sensitive people. 
Maybe that's why we beef so much. Still, I... I don't think we're any worse than any other married couple. At least we have a safety valve and we can let off steam. Some of the others carry it inside until the break comes. No, Blanche, I... I like it this way. And I love you... more than anything on earth. John! Hey, hey, hey. Hey, now cut that out. I'll prove how much I love you. Where's that liver or rice pudding or whatever it is you made? It's liver. Well, I'll eat every bit of it if it kills me. Let's go. Merry Christmas, darling. Merry Christmas. Just about a year ago, I had the pleasure of introducing to our radio audience a young man with a thrilling tenor voice. He's here with us again tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to meet Mario Lanza. Thank you, Edgar. Mario, I hear many nice things have happened to you since our last meeting. Well, yes, uh, Edgar, MGM has signed me to a seven-year contract, and I'm working in a musical entitled Midnight Kiss. Well, that's wonderful, Mario. Well, I have very much to be grateful for, Edgar. Well, perhaps feeling as you do accounts for your inspired singing. You know, gratitude is a wonderful thing. At this time of the year, when the spirit of Christmas is in the hearts and minds of men, we should all count our blessings and be grateful for each one. And most of all, let us not forget to be thankful that into this world was born the Prince of Peace. For it was he who, in administering unto all, asked naught in return save gratitude to his Father in heaven. The eternal expression of this gratitude is found in the immortal words of the Lord's Prayer, which Mario Lanza sings for us now.
Thank you, Mario Lanza. And ladies and gentlemen and listeners everywhere, a big economy-sized Merry Christmas from yours truly, Edgar Bergen. And a trial size from yours truly, Charlie McCarthy. Good night, everyone. During the holidays, your coffee should be extra good. Yes, this week is the perfect time to discover the new Chasen Sanborn instant coffee product. It's delicious and fast. You make it right in the cup. This is Ken Carpenter speaking to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. From Hollywood, it's the new Edgar Bergen Hour with Charlie McCarthy. Now, Pippi Bergen's to help me all mow you down. It's Sunday night, and time again transcribed for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy with Mortimer Snurd, Effie Klinker, Gary Crosby, Candy Bergen, Carol Richards, Ray Noble, Jack Kirkwood, Gloria Gordon, the Mellow Man, yours truly, John Heaston, and our special guest, Santa Claus's helper, Mr. Frank Fawcett. And here they are now, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. And Merry Christmas to you, too, Charlie. My dear, my dear sweet little boy. Dear sweet little boy? Yes. <laughs> Have you been inhaling that plum pudding? No, no. <laughs> no, it's just that tonight, Charlie, tonight my little daughter Candy is going to be on this show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm so happy. You know, she... She's the apple of my eye. Yes, I know. But don't forget, Buster. I'm the cabbage of your bank book. Yes. <laughs> Candy is so talented, you know. She sings, she acts, she recites, she plays the piano. And she gets wonderful marks in school, too. And she's only nine years old. Doesn't that make you a little ashamed, Charlie? Well, so what? Her wisdom teeth grew too fast, that's all. <laughs> Could happen to anybody. Yes. I hope you're not jealous. Me jealous? <laughs> I welcome competition. You do. What have I got to worry about? Let the kid have her chance. Hello, Daddy. Charlie. <laughs> okay, okay, that's enough. That's enough, folks. That's enough now. Goodbye, little kid. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. 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 She doesn't take a hint, does she? All right. All right. Yeah. Now, Charlie, please. Candy. My... My own little candy. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes, tonight... Tonight, my heart is full of joy. Tonight, my little girl steps out into the footlights of life. Down, Daddy. Down. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smoke, she's getting laughs, too. <laughs> Watch it, kid. Remember, there's only one star on this show. Just remember that. Oh, but I'm sure he won't mind how good I am. Mortimer's so sweet. Yeah, that does it. That does it. <laughs> that kid's got to go. No, she's got to go. All right. I think Candy's very amusing. Yes, yes. She's a girl after my own heart. Yeah, and after my job. No, no. <laughs> I'm not careful. 
Good night, good night, you, you, you trial-sized Lucille Ball, you all right. But I want to be on the show, Charlie. Oh, sure. I want to be just like Daddy. Oh, no ambition, eh? Oh. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Edgar, Charlie. Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Noble. Oh, I say you're Edgar's little girl, of course, yes. Now, don't tell me your name. No, no, I'm sure I know it. Uh, Oh, yes, of course. You're little Dextros, aren't you? That's Candy Ray, Candy. Uh, Now, Charlie and Candy, remember, I asked both of you to learn that wonderful poem, The Night Before Christmas. Uh And, Charlie, did you memorize it? Well, I tell you, I may, uh, yes, part of it. Part of it, yes. I've been sick a good deal, but I worked on it. Yes, I see. Which part? Uh, the title. Oh, the title, yes. <laughs> Daddy, I studied hard and memorized the whole thing. Why don't you get lost? Now, wait. <laughs> so you memorized the whole poem, Candy? Yeah, now, she may be young, but she's way beyond her years in intelligence. Yeah, I hate middle-aged kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell you, children, I'm going to give you each a very wonderful present if you will recite the poem right now on this program. Uh-huh. Yes. And you can take alternate lines. I think that will be interesting. Uh, you start it, Candy. Oh, of course. All right. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. Yes. Charlie? Huh? Yes. Oh, there's more? Y- yes. <laughs> Hey, pal. Hey, buddy. Hey, kiddo. What's the next line? Not a creature was stirring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Not a creature was stirring. Not even a louse. No, a mouse. <laughs> Andy, my dear? The stockings were hung by the chimney with care. And the leave me to room could stand some fresh air. No. <laughs> That Saint Saint who? Saint Vitus? No, no. Saint Bernard? No. Saint Paul? No. Minneapolis? No. no. I'm on the wrong track, you sir. Well, I tried, gee whiz. Continue. The children were nestled, all snug in their bed. And shoot if you must, his old gray head. No. Please, Charlie, think of me. Oh, bald head. No. Charlie, you know the part about Santa Claus where he rides through the sky? Oh, yeah, yeah. He flies through the air with the greatest of ease, the jolly fat man with the red DVDs. <laughs> that is completely wrong. Well, few of us are perfect. Yes, yes. Candy, will you help him out? When out on the lawn, there arose such a clatter, I sprung from my bed to see what was the matter. I tore open the shutter and threw up the the sash. (laughs) And now comes the reindeer. What about the reindeer? Yeah, what about them? Yeah. (laughs) What were their names? There were Dancer and Prancer. Yeah, Dancer, Prancer, Dandruff, and Blintzes. No, no. (laughs) Thunder and Lightning. No. (laughs) What did Santa say? You know, on Dancer... On Prancer? Oh, yeah. On Dancer, on Prancer. And what do you know? Prancer came in and paid two twenty to show. <laughs> Andy, not my little candy. <laughs> I taught her that. Yeah, I... 
You taught her that. Yes, yes. Well, it'd been better if you'd spent a little more time learning the poem instead. <laughs> Don't you get it, Bergen? We both know the darn thing. Oh, you know it. <laughs> yeah. We were only teasing you, Daddy. I see. Well, you two are always thinking of some monkey business. Yeah, we're busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have greater respect for your father. Why? Why? <laughs> well, I've been given a very rare talent. You have? Yes. Why do you hide it? No, I don't. <laughs> I I am a great ventriloquist. Oh. Yes, I am one of the few people in the world who can throw their voices. You see, I can throw my voice upstairs. I can throw my voice under the stage if I wish. Is that so? Yes. You mean like this, Daddy? Hello, Joe, are you down there? You, what do you want, Candy? Oh, no, not you, Joe. <laughs> Now, ladies and gentlemen, here is our own Christmas carol, lovely Carol Richards, singing I'll Take Romance.
And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the portion of our program that teaches you how to be completely self-sufficient. We proudly present our expert on everything. Here he is, direct from a successful year of unemployment, Professor, <laughs> Professor Kirkwood and his do-it-yourself department. Good evening, Professor Kirkwood. And what is your topic for today? My subject should interest all those who spent more than they could afford this Christmas. My talk today is entitled, Bankruptcy and How to Enjoy It. <laughs> Professor, do you mean to say that you're actually advocating that our listeners try to get out of paying their Christmas bills by going into bankruptcy? That's right, boy. Buy my home bankruptcy kit and become a successful bankrupt. <laughs> Professor, do you consider yourself a successful bankrupt? Am I successful? Uh -huh. oh, what a silly question. Listen, boy, when I got out of high school, I didn't have a dime. Yeah. And today, I owe over $100,000. <laughs> In other words, year after year, you just go deeper and deeper into debt. That's right, boy. Uh -huh. What's good enough for good old Uncle Sam is good enough for me. <laughs> Professor, aren't you a little ashamed of yourself jipping all those people out of their money? Oh, that I am, boy. Yes. Sometimes I get to crying so hard I can hardly count the dough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kirkwood, why don't you go straight? Nothing doing. A friend of mine went straight and nearly starved. Why? He was a contortionist. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Yes. Oh, just call me the red horse. I'm flying tonight. Yeah. That will do. Now, to get back to your bankruptcy kit, just what does it contain? Well, uh, most important of all, it contains the names of some fine lawyers. Uh-huh. Now, just look at the list. Here's the firm of Get It, Got It, and Gone. Yeah. ABS, <laughs> I object. Cut rate criminal lawyers. Walk upstairs and save ten years. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're terrific. Yeah. In the last case, they got the jury so mixed up, they sent the judge to the chair. <laughs> pretty clever. Yeah. Oh, then there's Loophole McKay. Yes. Why, during his career, he defended 30 murderers and each one was hanged. They were all hanged? Yep. Oh, my. That's how he got his slogan. Swing and sway with Loophole McKay. <laughs> I see. You know, uh, back in London, they have a, a frightfully distinguished law firm. Oh? Yes. Uh, their name is Button, Button, Button and Zipper. <laughs> Zipper? Yes, old boy. He replaced one of the buttons that dropped off. <laughs> one of the buttons that dropped off. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm not well. <laughs> Professor, our time is running out. Now, just what is the procedure that you have to go through, as you put it, to enjoy bankruptcy? Well, first you have to file your bankruptcy. Yes. Any ordinary nail file will do. Well, I... <laughs> the next step is to demand a habeas corpuscle, mandamus pizzicato, and a yes. choice of two vegetables. Yes. <laughs> or, as proved by the case of Smirnoff versus vodka. Yes. <laughs> that was quite a case. I imagine. <laughs> Went to the high court. <laughs> you get it? High court. <laughs> Well, thank you, Professor, but I'm afraid our time is up. Oh, too bad. 
Well, I'll just collect my lecture fee and go. Well, Professor, I'm sorry. I don't believe I can pay you. Then why not? I've just decided I'm filing for bankruptcy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Now, here's a suggestion for the holiday season from a very good friend of yours. Say, the next time you plan a party, how about making it a pizza party? A spicy pizza pie bubbling with tangy sauce and mellow cheese is a quick trick to make your party a success. And when you use Chef Boyardee pizza pie mix, your pizza takes no time at all. It's that easy. Each gay yellow carton of Chef Boyardee pizza pie mix contains all the ingredients. The flour mix for a flaky crust, the yeast to raise it, the rich pizza sauce, even the Italian-style cheese. So how about it? The next time you plan a party, how about making it a pizza party with Chef Boyardee pizza pie mix? Molto bene, what a tasty pizza pie. Boyardee's the chef that treats you to that real Italian style. Boyardee, Italian pizza pie by Chef Boyardee. Chef Boyardee. Chef Boyardee. Now here's Gary Crosby singing Autumn Leaves. The falling leaves. When all 
got you under my skin. Well, you know, that's kind of silly. And there's hardly room for me under there. Yeah. I, I noticed, I noticed there's a bandage on your arm there. Yeah. Did you hurt your arm? No, I hurt in the nose. Oh, I see. Why didn't you put the bandage on your nose? Well, I couldn't breathe if I did that. Couldn't breathe. <laughs> yep. How did you hurt your nose in the first place? Well, bending down to tie my shoelaces. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's ridiculous, I guess so. How could you hurt yourself trying to tie your shoelaces? Well, I was on the roof. Oh, you're on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> and the shoes were down on the ground. Oh. <laughs> what were you doing on the roof, Mortimer? No. Uh, what were you doing on the roof? Yeah, I was on the roof. Yeah, I see. <laughs> what were you doing on the roof? Oh, I was... Uh, Oh, I was making holes in it. The rain wasn't leaking in the parlor in the right places. Oh, I... <laughs> wasn't leaking in the right places. No, it wasn't coming now where I'd set the pans out. Oh. Watch <laughs> oh. a smart Alex out there tonight. <laughs> well... <clears throat> Rain is very important. Not in my parlor, it ain't. I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, rain turns everything green. No, it doesn't turn everything green. My cow, Bessie's been out in the rain. <laughs> Bessie stayed drowned. Bessie stayed drowned. <laughs> she was out there during the heavy downpour? Yeah, she was standing... Well, she was in the water, deep water. Yeah, how deep? Well, it was up to her crankcase, up to her crankcase. <laughs> Difficult to milk her. Yeah, I guess that's how they got the saying. How oh, no, brown cow? I... <laughs> well, we've had more than our share of moisture this year. Have you any idea how much rain fell this last season? Well, I'd say all of it. All of it. <laughs> rain is an interesting phenomenon. No, phenomenon, phenomenon. <laughs> you know what makes rain? Well, I guess water makes the best kind. <laughs> but let's start with evaporation. All right, you start it. Yeah, all right. You know what vapor is? Oh, uh, vapor? Yeah, what do you think? Vapor. Is it the husband of the viper? No, no, no. <laughs> when the sun shines on a lake, what happens? Freckles set in. No, no. I'll explain the evaporation this way. All air contains some moisture. Have you noticed what happens to your breath when you blow it out on some cold morning? No, I ain't paid no attention. When I'm finished with it, it goes its way and I go mine. <laughs> That's the way it goes, yeah. What am I supposed to do, stand around and watch my breath? <laughs> Well, now, when you breathe on a mirror, in a few seconds it's missed. Well, don't look at me. I didn't steal it. No. <laughs> now, wait, now. When I say your breath is missed, I don't mean that it's missed. Oh, I mean it's missed. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it goes, yeah. I'd like to get out of this thing, huh? <laughs> you don't understand. Mist is sort of like dew. Yeah, like dew, yes. 
Honey or howdy? Well, I know. Who is moisture? You know, it's constantly being evaporated from the earth. Moisture-laden air rises, it cools, and lower cloud is born. Would you give me that again? <laughs> moisture-laden air rises. No. It cools. No. And lo, a cloud is born. Is that right? Yeah. A boy or a girl? <laughs> what <about you? laughs> Tonight's two episodes came from two different series of the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show. The 1948 episode was one of the last episodes of the Charlie McCarthy show, also known as the Chase and Sanborn Hour. The show's ratings had been slipping. Both he and Fred Allen were being hammered by a new musical quiz show called Stop the Music. Bergen decided it was time to retire. Fortunately, a year or so later, he came back. The 1955 episode we heard was also one of the final episodes of a Bergen and McCarthy series, this time their very last radio series. Once again, competition had lowered the ratings, but this time the competition wasn't from another radio program, but from television. And despite having made a number of film appearances, Edgar and Charlie never did have a regular TV show, but they were fixtures on TV for decades. In fact, a couple of weeks after this episode aired, they began a new TV series, a game show called Do You Trust Your Wife? And another Christmas connection for Edgar Bergen, he was the original Grandpa Walton in 1971's The Homecoming, A Christmas Story. As always, I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. For more information on Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, please visit our show notes at Christmas Archives Podcast dot dot com. That's Christmas Archives Podcast dot dot com. Until next time, this is Dinsdale Kringle signing off.